It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a magic marker. A, a felt pen. It's a mistake. It's a trap. It's a fucking comedy. It's quiet. Maybe too quiet. It's all happening. It's a good day to die. It's a good day to talk about movies. Welcome back. It is a good day to talk about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7. Oh, what, like you a big fan of the Fett? I'm your host, Duncan. Joining me as always are Gardner. It's good to be back here on the sands of Tatooine. And Tarin. Season finale, boys. And joining us today is a special guest. Our friend Thor is here today to discuss the season finale of the Book of Boba Fett with us. What is up, you filthy womp rats? Nice. Before we go any further, we do have to do a quick spoiler warning. And that means spoilers for the Book of Boba Fett. The whole season, because this was the finale. Spoilers for this episode. Spoilers for the first six episodes. Maybe spoilers for The Mandalorian, seasons one and two. And even spoilers for the animated shows. So if you're worried about any of that, stop listening now and get back to us later. For everyone else, that is your spoiler warning. So Thor... Glad to have you here, man. Very excited. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And you're also a big Star Wars fan, which is why we asked you on the show. Do you want to begin by, as Forbes did when he was on, telling the audience about your relationship with Star Wars and what got you into it? Absolutely. Yeah, so just before I begin, just want to say you guys have been absolutely killing it on the podcast. So really love the interviews and really like the miniseries. So really quick, awesome job. And, and thank you guys for having me on again. But... Yeah, like Jeff said in the last episode, it's been really interesting just to sort of, you know, lay back and listen to you guys break everything down and give your opinions on each episode. And it's really helped me forge a unique opinion as the series is drawn on. So overall, I, I've really enjoyed the series. I don't know about you guys, but even though, you know, it's only at seven episodes long, it feels like we've endured and experienced quite a lot throughout the series. And it just feel, it feels like there's a lot of substance here and, and callbacks, which I've really enjoyed as a Star Wars fan. And, you know, like Duncan said, just to give a background of my Star Wars fandom, because I think it serves a purpose in my point of view. I'm very much a new school Star Wars fan of sorts. You know, I really became a fan because of guys like Gardner and Duncan, who I met in college. So I wasn't super involved or immersed in the original trilogy and, and the prequel films as they were released. So I really became a fan, believe it or not, starting with Lego Star Wars and then really got into the Star Wars television series like the Clone Wars and Rebels. So this series, along with the Mandalorian, is really, you know, hit home for me because it has a lot of those Clone Wars and Rebels callbacks, which I've really become fond of. But I think overall, Gardner served up my point of view really well in the last podcast when he said, you know, like, fuck it, they got me, you know, with all the stuff they've been throwing at us throughout the series, because you know, just outside the typical Boba Fett storyline, it's it's really been a fairly disheveled storyline altogether. But in keeping with the theme of the miniseries, they've served up a ton of fan service on a platter. And I'm an absolute sucker for fan service. So, you know, we have another Luke appearance. We have Cad Bane. And then, hell, we have freaking Boba riding a Rancor at the end of this last episode. So I don't want to get into it too much. But like I said, I'm a big fan of the television series and the fan service aspect. So really been a fan of the series so far but as far as this episode goes i thought it was pretty epic you know awesome battle scene all around i think they could tweak some aspects which i'm sure we'll touch on later but overall i think they tied together everything pretty well considering how up and down the season's been so far 
All right, man. I think that was a great answer. And if that, like I always say, doesn't get you excited for the rest of the episode, I don't know what will. Should lead to a great discussion. Let's get on to our initial thoughts on the episode. Thor, you just got into your background as a Star Wars fan and a little bit into your thoughts on the season, but you get to start us off as our guest. What did you think of the finale? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I recapped a little bit, but, you know, overall, really epic. Um, the, the battle scene was really awesome all around. I think, you know, as we were watching the series, it felt like they cheaped out on a lot of things, um, but it really was just building up to this last, you know, this last battle scene, you know, with the Rancor coming involved, coming in. Then you have, obviously, the, the bipartisans from the uh, the Pikes. So it was it was a really interesting battle scene overall. But um uh, I think it tied together everything nicely, you know, for it being such a complex story over all, all together. Um, I thought I thought they did pretty well to close it all out. All right. Gardner, what did you think? Um, yeah, I've got I've got some complicated feelings about this episode. Um, on one hand, like I loved the first half a lot. And then there are just some action moments that make me think uh, maybe Robert Rodriguez shouldn't direct Star Wars anymore. I mean, you compare this episode, you compare the directing in this episode to like Filoni's episode or Bryce Dallas Howard's episode or episode two. Um, those were like all so much better directed. The action was better blocked. The, so I, the first like 30 minutes of this episode, I think are really, really strong. But when it gets to the point where it's just the Rancor fighting the like massive droidicas or whatever, there's some really odd choices in there that really stick out and kind of have almost like Disney Channel original movie like <laughs> levels of silliness. Nevertheless, I think this was a really, really good conclusion to this season. I agree, Thor, like it, it kind of like tied all of the threads together. We're like, where is this going? I don't understand how all this stuff is is um, relevant. My biggest gripe, I think, is if this had just been called like like a Mandalorian story or something, or if they had told us ahead of time that this was going to be more uh, connected to the Mandalorian, then I think a lot of people wouldn't have these qualms with it spending so much time away from Bo Boba Fett. But overall, I think this was a really fun episode and one that I'll probably revisit again because, you know, other than my like little minor qualms, I still think the action is like pretty good. I like the story. I like the characters that are in this episode a lot. So pretty good, I would say. I knew you were going to have something to say about Robert Rodriguez. I didn't know it was going to come this early in the episode, but. I got things to say about uh, Robbie. Tarn, you're up now. What are your initial thoughts? I feel vindicated. Feel I'm happy. I'm happy Gardner likes the characters of this episode, considering they're all the characters in the fucking show. So like, if you don't like these guys, I don't know who the hell you're you're liking in the show. But I think this this episode was fantastic. Is epic. I mean, it's the Star Wars action you want. I'm excited to hear what the silly things that Gardner was not a fan of, because. We have some pretty brutal stuff that I feel like needs to be toned down with that. Otherwise, we'd have crying kids on the couch, you know, at home. It's just a cool episode. And I think we're going to be serving up some crow pie for a bunch of people because you got everything works in this series. Everything works. And all the stuff that I feel like people were nitpicking about paid off in the end. So I'm excited to talk through uh, the entirety of this one with you guys. I'm, and I'm excited to hear what you thought about it, Duncan. 
Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you liked it. I think that it pretty much falls in line with everything I felt about the season so far. I have the same feelings about the level of Boba Fett that we got, and I have the same feelings about the show as a total uh, that Gardner, you mentioned about. I don't think that if you're doing a show based on Boba Fett, you get the same reaction as you do to the season as you do if it's a, just a Star Wars show, which we've mentioned before, it's not an original thought either, but I do think that it highlights some of the good parts of the previous episodes and some of the flaws in the show or the flaws in at least the Boba Fett aspects of it, in my opinion, and what I would prefer to see when it's a character that you've waited to have a real narrative around for so long. Again, I understand that I don't have the animated show's knowledge, so there has been more of a backstory that's been given to him that I don't, I'm not aware of, but live action-wise, we've, we've mentioned this on a previous episode, that it's really been a long time, so it just, I feel like I can understand some people being like, all right, this is not the Grogu show, or not the Mandalorian show, we don't need some of these aspects popping in, and I don't want to get hung up on this too much, but I would love for someone who has more time than me out there to do some sort of cut of, like, lines of dialogue by each character in the show. And I would love to see how Mandalorian stacks up against Fennec and Boba. And even, like, at certain points, Pelimoto stacks up to them. You know, she's got a good amount of screen time in this season. And there's a lot of, and this isn't a bad thing, but there's a lot of scenes without that much dialogue. So I just think it would be interesting to see how much is actually said by each character. Again, someone with a lot more time than I have on my hands would have to do that. But overall thoughts, I enjoyed aspects of it. And I think that it was definitely fun, which is what I've enjoyed about parts of the show so far. Other than that, I think we can probably get into the specifics of it and start delving into what we did and didn't like. So the bar blew up? What's this? What happened to the Cantito? We had no idea over here, right? GDT? Surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah, we dropped the ball on that one last episode. <laughs> Did not episode. mention that. Yeah, we forgot to mention that last episode, so apologies to our eagle-eyed listeners out there. I repressed that act of terrorism. I didn't want to remember that. Also, R.I.P. Garza Whip, Space Babe. I'm going to miss her. So hot. So hot. Are we assuming she's dead? I mean, <laughs> did you see the inside of that place? Didn't look like really anybody got out of there. Yeah, a little fried calamari, I guess. Yeah, I liked that they like started it off there and they were just like, all right, boom, place got bombed. This is kicking things into high gear. And then it just kind of like the whole rest of the episode was just, it just like kept ramping up from there. Like, I think this was one of the better paced episodes in a season where the pacing has felt like really uneven. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So they're in the cantina and it's obviously, like we said, destroyed and they're deciding on what to do next. And this is when they decide that they have to stay and protect the people of Mos Espa. No, I th I'll just jump in there. You know, I thought that was a really interesting aspect of this when uh, one of the mods, I forget the guy's name, but he suggests that, right? He's like, no, Boba, I think we should stay here instead of going out to search for these guys or whatever. And that's just another example, you know, when Boba says, all right, you know, I agree with this. It's another example of his, you know, leadership and how he's changed, how he's humble. He, he trusts his subordinates in a sense. So um, just kind of building on that theme of the series. Yeah, that's one of my favorite aspects of this episode is how they used Boba and showed like the payoff of the lessons he's learned throughout the season. Don't want to jump too far ahead, 
but like there's something I want to touch on in his later battle with Cad Bane that I think is like really just an awesome moment that kind of like brings everything together and gives him I think a complete arc like maybe there wasn't that much forward action throughout the season there's a lot of sidetracking but I think when you look at it as a whole like this is the story of Boba learning to collaborate and learning the strength of being in a group and not just being the the solo character that he's been you know up until this point we got there with all this with all the you know the stuff that happened like i don't don't think any of the anything that happens in this episode doesn't make sense if we don't get the building blocks and it wouldn't work like it would just be another like action star wars blasters like i think it's much more powerful with all the stuff we got and just touching on thor's beginning point i think it's also interesting that and this episode does it better than any other episode and they've kind of done this in the mandalorian too but i like how they're kind of showing the townspeople more and showing oh we got to protect the townspeople and it's like we've seen solar systems get destroyed and there's been no real actual fallout from that in any emotional sense really in a way that's been depicted on screen i don't think you've really gotten the dramatic feel of that in this it's like oh like we need to protect this group of people that are you know not involved in these gang related wars at all they're not involved in this drug trade they're not involved in this territory dispute and they're the ones who are getting their lives ruined and are going to end up potentially dead because of this i think that's an interesting aspect that i think star wars hasn't gotten the chance to do a lot of in live action before but like i said they've also done that a little bit in the mandalorian too i think interesting ways. Yeah, you feel much more like emotional attachment to the people of Mos Espa here than say like when, you know, one building gets destroyed or something, you already care more than like when Alderaan gets destroyed in A New Hope. So it's like, why the fuck do I give a fuck about Alderaan? Like Leia's reaction uh, might get you because Carrie Fisher does a great job, but the actual like planet itself, and I think they do a good job Um, throughout this season of kind of building up the identity of this town like as a character in the story and again I think that pays off really well in the final moments we get with Boba and Finnick at the end of this episode. So here early on in the episode is when the Pikes revealed to Cad Bane that they were the ones who killed the Raiders which is funny because I don't think that the biker gang was supposed to be this angelic group of people by any means i mean we see what they're willing to do for just the sake of pissing someone off basically in that one scene with luke's friend but it is interesting that you're totally rooting for the revenge against them and you want you want them to pay in some sense for killing his boys and it just turns out that they had nothing to do with that whatsoever and you were totally you got got just like boba got got and we all got played by the pikes like that's that's some slimy crime backdoor shit. I was blown away by that reveal. I was not expecting that at all, right? And they just, like, took out two birds with one stone, pitting them against each other. I think that was, like... I mean, maybe some of this stuff could have been revealed over the course of the series, so we could have had, like, you know, more stuff like you guys would have liked. But I still think, like, the mystique of it all was... like It wouldn't have played like that if they tell us episode three, like, oh, yeah, that was us, you know? And we just know and Boba doesn't, like... They were hitting us with the right and the left and the right back of like the whole, this whole episode. I think it works too for them. Like as like a criminal syndicate, like criminal syndicates, like operate in the shadows. Like 
when they're at their best, you don't know what they're doing, right? So the fact that all this kind of information is uh, like saved to the end and, and revealed to me works. It's like when you go back and rewatch it, you can see the specter of the spikes building over and over the course of the series. But you know that in hindsight, right? And it's obvious in hindsight, but that's kind of how, you know, the mafia or other criminal organizations would operate. You know, they move in silence. No, there were there were quite a few gotchas in this episode, and I know we'll get into more. But you know, obviously, you know the, his the uh, Boba's you know so called partners you know turning on him there um, towards the end. But yeah, no, I thought it was super shocking. Like they really set that up too in like episode three, whenever Boba has the bar fight with them or whatever. So you might think, okay, these guys might try to get revenge on him at some point, and they we thought you know that he totally ruin those Tuscans, but you know, when it what it turned out to be was was the pike. So, you know, plot twist. So about here is when we get our two flying the ship in, the X Wing in with our boy Grogu. And it is funny that Pelly thinks it's a cop and is like, Oh, I just filed for my papers for whatever she needs papers to do what she's doing. And you know, it's such a coincidence that you're showing up right now, right, as I just put the thing in. And I like to think that she actually went in the back and did it so that if if they got out of it, she, like, she actually has papers now in my mind. We'll see if, if that ever gets revealed or not. I don't think it will. But in my mind, that's my, my canon that she actually went back there and did that real quick. So now she's got papers. She's good. Next time it comes. But then we get him peeking out, Grogu, and she's super excited to see him. And I think he's great in everything he's in, and I love him, and he was adorable here again. But I do think it's very clear that they're not going to do Star Wars shows without Grogu now because they know what they've hit with him. And I think Kenobi will be without him. So they're not going to do no Star Wars shows without him, obviously, but I think they're going to have enough other crazy shit in that. But they're not going to do one right next to it, an adjacent show, and not give you some of that old-fashioned, what the moms want to see. That, to me, was one of the weaknesses of the episode. It felt to me like they made this bold story choice at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. Where it's like, oh, Mando and Mando and Grogu are gonna be like apart, right? And then I feel like like some of the Disney execs stepped in and they're like, yeah, that was a cool episode and all, but like, nah, we can't we can't lose Grogu. How about in Book of Boba Fett, you reunite Mandalorian and Grogu? How about that? Because imagine you're someone who is like binging the Mandalorian. You're like, you know, a year from now, you're like, I gotta, I've heard so much about the show, Baby Yoda's so cute, I gotta catch up on it. And you go from season two to three. And Mando and Grogu are back together again. You're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Like, did the ending of season two, like, not have any repercussions? And kind of not really. I mean, it did, right? Like, uh, Grogu was instrumental in preventing the Rancor from destroying the entire city. So that, I think, was something that, like, ended up paying off. But it felt to me a little bit like executives meddling and being like, no, we've got to have Grogu in here. And the creatives made it work, but I don't know. Yeah. How excited were you all when he pokes his little head out of that X-Wing? Not going to lie. I was happy to see him. I, I was a little, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I let a little ground, dude. Because we talked about this on the last episode. I was hoping for some more Jedi training, but. That's, uh, that's one. And then I, I knew he was just going to force, say, like he was just going to force something huge and save everybody it's like dude come on i couldn't believe you guys like we're debating about the fact that he's going to come back gardner you're 100 right the disney execs looked at the data and they were like we need this guy in the episode in every episode moving forward in this storyline they have going so i was not surprised at all when he poked his head out of there 
I thought that a funny moment um, whenever Pelly first sees him and then R2 communicates, you know, his name to Pelly. And he's like, she's like, Grogu, that's a that's a horrible name. And I think I thought that was really funny. I think that's like the directors are Dave Filoni, like making a joke in a sense, like because all the fans, you know, saying, you know, Grogu's name kind of blows <laughs> whenever they change it from Baby Yoda. So I thought that was that was a pretty funny, funny moment there. I like that moment a lot. I think this is the most I've enjoyed Pelly in any episode. Um, she was like slightly annoying in The Mandalorian, but not too much. She didn't have too much screen time. Um, chapter five of this season, I got really annoyed with her. I really thought that whole sequence went on too long. Uh, but she was in this episode just the right amount. And her, we have to talk about the mayor's boy, the Twi'lek. He killed it this episode. He was so good, dude. The moment when he's talking to Boba and he's like, do you think we should sell the Twi'lek? And he's like, oh, got it, got it. I shouldn't interject. I'll step away. Like everything with him this episode was fantastic. And then putting them two together like towards the end was perfect. The hand movements are incredible by him. It's so funny. I totally agree. Yeah, we'll definitely get to him. He's my standout character of the show easily. This is when they decide to split the squad up. We get Kirsanson out with the Trondotians. We get the Gamorians out in their own little area. We got the mod kids against the butt faces. What are the butt faces called? Oh, uh, Aqualish. So they're there, and we have Boba with the Twi'lek and Mando. And this is when Cad Bane shows up. Loved this. I love everything with Cad Bane. I mean, it was awesome. I loved that whole sequence. And I like that, you know, Finnick, Finnick doing something and being a good uh, right-hand man or right-hand woman and being like, yo, Boba, like you're emotional. Like, let's think this through and figure this out first before we do anything rash. Finnick is like the unsung MVP of this whole criminal empire. I think it would all kind of go to shit without her. I would like to give credit to Boba's character development on him not just blasting Kane before Finnick even has a chance to say anything. I think there's, you know, all the breadcrumbs we got over the course of this series, you know, show up and how Boba is so much more than just this faceless killer that we know nothing about, right? It's, you know, it's, it's boring to hear about somebody's backstory, but you got to have it. Yeah, not always. I mean, you can make a really interesting backstory. I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, is going to be entirely, basically, backstory. So... No, I, yeah, I, it's, that was uh, poorly worded. But in terms of just, like, explaining somebody's personality and their motivations isn't always the most engaging thing. But you can't just have him kowtowing to his subordinates and not ripping somebody's face off at the first opportunity without explaining how he gets there. Yeah, I agree. You got to set it up. And for the many flaws that I think this series does overall have, I think they did do a good job of planting the seeds that did eventually pay off in the finale, which I think we all have kind of come to a consensus on that. Like maybe we didn't love every like moment of the show, but it did overall kind of have a purpose in building up to the story that they were trying to tell. I also have a question for you, Garner, about your girl Finnick. She's like, oh, we got all entrances covered. And then they just walk up to the front fucking door, guns drawn. Where, where is she at, dude? What kind I mean, of planning it's, is it's, that? It's Cad Bane, dude. 
He's been doing this longer than any of the rest of them. He's like 70 or 80 years old at this point. He's a pro, dude. And it's cool because it's kind of a parallel to when Pelimoto says it at the end of episode five, when she's like, oh, don't worry. It's all safe here. I got, I got her out. And she's right there. And now the same sort of deal is happening reverse to Fennec this time. I'm not going to lie. Part of me was a little nervous that she was going to double cross him, but you know, it didn't happen. Who, Fennec? Uh, yeah. Now she's like, oh, you're like, no way anybody gets through. I got it under control, you know, and then it did happen. I was happy about that, but I was just, you know, eyebrow raised when she's like a little too calm and collected. Couldn't she have done that when he was in the back to tank for like 72 probably hours totally, like fully? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we weren't, the, the spice runners weren't worried about their spice being run yet. You know, it's, shit's serious right now. Back to the point that we said before, I don't know if it was Tarn or Gardner who said it, but there are no complaints on it setting things up, I don't think, and it telling a coherent and full, complete story, I think, as well. But I do think you can have complaints that we mentioned before about things like the pacing and certain aspects of it. That would be the big thing, I think. And again, we've mentioned that there's no need to really bring that back into the discussion right now, especially since I don't think there's any pacing issues with this episode. It's just the series or the season as a whole so far, that was the issue where pacing came into play. And especially the first half, in my opinion. But go back and listen to our episodes if you missed those, and you'll find out exactly what we think about those. Pacing, not an issue in this episode. And as a season, like we were saying, it does bring everything together, and it does set things up, so that's good. It has aspects where it could stay focused on its story and not Star Wars in general, but Star Wars does that. Star Wars gonna Star Wars. Yeah, at this point, we just have to accept that it's it's basically all just one major narrative, especially with these Disney Plus shows. Like, I think Ahsoka, Boba, Mando, and I don't know if they're going to reboot the Rangers of the New Republic show with Cobb Vanth instead of Cara Dune or something like that. But if they end up making that show, too, I think it's going to all get tied in. And you kind of just have to look at it as, you know, just one big tapestry and... I think that's what they're going for. They probably should have alluded to that more in the marketing to not create so many disappointments among the fans, but here we are. Before we move past their their first interaction, I do want to highlight another one of our nice little Star Wars sayings when um, Cad Bane tells Boba, if that's not the quack they're calling the stifling slimy. I just love that shit. That was epic. And I, I know I know Boba said that exact phrase. I think it might have been in The Mandalorian, season two. It might have been earlier in this season, but he says that exact same phrase, which is obviously implying, and we all know that uh, Cad Bane was, you know, his, you know, teacher in a sense. You know, Boba Fett was his apprentice. You know, he taught him as a bounty hunter. So it's just implying that, you know, Boba's learned so much from including this phrase, which I thought was a little cool, a little snippet in there. Yeah, they knew each other. There's a lot of stuff in the Clone Wars with them running into one another. And then there's actually a scrapped animatic from when, like right when uh, Clone Wars season seven got canceled for the first time. And they later remade it, but they didn't use the story arcs. And there's a whole sequence where Cad Bane and Boba Fett duel. And we never actually got to see that. So for a lot of people who always wanted to see that, this is... Now we get to see him duel. We get to see him really duel, which we'll get to that later, but that's one of my favorite parts of the episode. 
and people may not know this, but the dent actually on Boba Fett's helmet is from Cad Bane, from that deleted cutscene from the Clone Wars. So that's literally from one of their previous standoffs. So it's it's a really cool, cool way to line everything up. And Tarn, I actually thought you were going a different route. That is very cool that we went down that path because we got some, some fun facts there as well and some deeper lore. But I thought you were going to bring up when he's telling him about the Pike's move where they were the ones who actually killed the Raiders. He's like, you know it's true. And I thought that was very, search your feelings. I expect him to be like, no! <laughs> now that would have gotten the fans riled up. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's not Boba Fett. Stoicism. So right about now, once Cad Bane leaves, is when the other gangs attack. And I guess you can see this as that was the warning from Cad Bane, like, just do a me, or else we're coming in, basically. And so they make that move, and it's not really that big of a shock that he didn't actually have these gangs on his side. It is, in my opinion, a little bit of an underdeveloped plot line, the other gangs. I think you could have done a lot cooler things with, dude, their whole, like, that's a whole aspect of Star Wars that would be so much fun to delve into, and hopefully they get the chance to, because I want to know more about each one of them. I was I was very caught off guard. That would be like some of the slimy underground crime stuff. But on the flip side, I do think like the that not being shown plays in with the silence, like moving in silence and all that shit. I was gonna say that I mean we've talked about like solo before on this. Uh, series and that's one of my favorite aspects of that show is that we do get to see like how the criminal gangs operate and there's um, a comic series coming out right now called uh, Crimson Rain which is about the, the fall of Crimson Dawn the syndicate that Kira leads and that shit is so cool to see the the criminal gangs warring with each other and making deals with one another and subterfuge and stuff like that and I'm with you Duncan like I thought we were going to get a lot more of that. I thought that was going to be like the major plot line is Boba trying to establish himself with these existing criminal gangs. And I, I totally agree. That could have been developed way more and the payoff would have been stronger. This show was overstuffed, I would say, to say the least, for seven episodes. Uh, and that's something that I wish if we had gotten, say, a 10 episode runtime, I wish we could have seen fleshed out a little bit more. I'm not gonna rile Tarn up and just suggest that you could actually get a lot of that done by cutting a little of Tuscan Raiders action out, but we'll it's too young riled up now. No, dude. If there's no Tuscans, there's no staff. If there's no staff, there's no show, dude. There doesn't have to be no Tuscans. I'm certainly not suggesting no Tuscans. I think it's time for the Tuscan war chant, Tarn. <laughs> dude, don't be fucking with the Tuscans. Wait, Thor, you got to give us one now, too, because Darn and I have both already given ours on the pod. I want to hear yours. I will only do it if Duncan does this. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's that's my compromise. The GDT version of the unseen Boba Cad Bane duel <laughs> is Duncan and Thor's dueling Tuscan chants. Unfortunately, those will be lost. Uh, those will be on the, the Patreon when we get to that level one day. So they, they attack the different groups. They they attack Crescenton, uh, the Mods, and the Gamorians who get 300 off the cliff. That shit was sad. An embarrassing dry. display from the Gamorians. I want to see them walk into the spear. What do they do? Like, they took nobody with them. They're talking about how these are these brave guys that fight to the death. 
and then they just like backed themselves off a cliff. Well, I mean, technically they did kind of fight to the death, you know. Right, but take the spear, grab the spear, pull it into you, walk through it, and cut somebody. Like, why are you standing next to a cliff to begin with? I was just sitting there, like, what, what is going on? It's a tactical advantage. It's the height they just weren't planning on. We we don't know they had the high ground, but we don't know. They might have survived. There's definitely a cut. I was wait. I was looking to see. Oh, Bro, they no. fell like 200 feet onto <laughs> the top of one of those market things. You know, it was a nice little billowy cloud of tapestry that they fell onto. It was just really, really taut. And, and those bellies look. That'll be down. our cold open for season two. Well, except the one Aqualish guy fell through that and landed on the water barrels. I love that. That was great. Throwing it in slow mo. That was a nice little action moment. There's some things that Rodriguez does that work for me. That was one of them. Was that after Kersantin did the badass, like throw you up in the air and then pop you uh, with the right? Was that is that when he hits the barrels, or is that a different different scene? No, that's when the mods are pinned down and Finnick uh, comes in and saves their asses. It's actually the next scene, so we can talk about it right now. Because right after the Gamorians go down, it cuts to them being like we're cornered. We can't back. We can't retreat. And she's like, "Stay there." She's like, "What do you mean, stay there? We're about to get." destroyed by these people and she's like put your heads down and they do and she just pops everyone and the remaining people peace out and that little fucker who had an open shot on them the whole time i don't know how he was missing them from that window dude not a good shot whatsoever gets destroyed and i like that and that was a cool i liked him falling that was something that i noticed as well yeah, big, um, big uh, uh, stormtrooper vibes in this episode with none of the enemies being able to hit shit it was it got to the point of being a little silly uh i'll i'll say that um but this is also right when we get they the the pikes show up to the sanctuary to talk to to negotiate with boba right after cad bane leaves and he sends out the major domo the twilight guy or am i am i jumping ahead Let's not skip past that because I, while they're there, they do have that conversation, Mando and Boba, and I think it's an important one. About that's where we get the title of the episode, right? I thought that was a a funny moment too, because you know Boba's not actually entrusting this guy with the negotiations with the Pikes. It's more so just to stall that time so that you can have this grand entrance with him and Mando. So I thought that was pretty epic right there. And he's just eating the scene up. We mentioned it earlier, but he's just doing a fantastic job. I mean, yeah, I said uh, Finnick was the unsung MVP. He might be. She's the unsung MVP of the criminal syndicate. I think he's the unsung MVP of this show. Uh, that was a great moment. And I, I like you said, Duncan, I love the conversation between Boba and Mando. So we die in the name of honor. This is the way. And then they send him out and their entrance where they both fly in and start popping motherfuckers. I was like, let's go. Cause we haven't really seen that since um, uh, uh, season two, episode one, where Cobb Vanth and Mando fly up to, to fight the crate dragon. And it was just, it looked great. I don't think, I don't think we've ever had a scene with Boba using a jetpack before either. Have we? In um, this series? In this series, a couple, there's uh, at least once. Oh, when he comes had- in. The, the entrance yes. when uh, see, I think it's the Twilight guy episode three. Yeah, they get we get that horrible speeder chase, and then he flies in and and lands with his jetpack. You saw just how slow the speeders could go in this episode, so they were going plenty fast in that chase. 
Dude, they should have used Phoenix speeder in that chase. That shit moves. Yeah, no, I agreed. Did any did any of you guys get a little like this kind of feels like what we would have seen if we had a father son team up? It kind of looked like Boba and Django out there. But I mean, it obviously isn't, but it's just the aesthetic was right there. You know, they're coming in from both sides and Mandalorian's got a little blue sheen on the best car. But it obviously wasn't there. It just felt like that. I got the vibe. So yeah, we have the fake surrender and we get the well-written line by Boba Fett. I believe it's something along the lines of Tatooine soil will flourish with the flowered fields fertilized by your dead bodies. Something around those lines. The F's are right, I think. I got the F part right, which is the important part. So... That's pretty cool. I wanted to mention that before. Yeah, they both fly in, and then they're just getting lit up. They're getting hit, and I thought it was very cool seeing them fall to the ground, even though their Beskar is protecting them from, obviously, the real damage of the blasters, but they're still feeling that impact. It's kind of like, I guess, a bulletproof vest in certain cases, a lot better than a bulletproof vest, but you're still going to feel it to a certain degree because it's ricochet well for you. So I thought that was very cool. I, I love that we got to see Mando use his uh uh what are they called Whist- whistling birds? We got to see Mando use his whistling birds again. That was rad. Uh, and then Boba popping off with his arm rockets and his knee rockets. I, this was just like pure Star Wars action that I was just very much there for. It was like yes, this is what I wanted. They were really unleashing the arsenal, dude. I didn't know they had so many knee rockets in their knees at one time, but. It's just the stance was a little funny when he like he did like a like a dance twist to like shoot his knee rockets at one guy. That was kind of a goofy moment. But, you know, you can't always look great when you're when you're smoking fools. You got to do what's uh, effective. It's kind of like capoeira and Muay Thai, like blended together. There's Mando shit. I don't know. It was great. Where is Mando getting all these whistling birds? Because I think he got some from the armor, like season one. And then he just, I think he's gone through like 200 at this point. Like he's just constantly had, I don't know, like, does he build them? Like before he goes to bed or something? And then he just pops them in there. I assume he got some new ones from the armor. No, because he had them in episode five of Book of Boba Fett, right? He was about to use them. And then he gets like kicked in the arm or something and he can't use them. So I think he's just waiting for his moment. Yeah, I would imagine he definitely re-upped before he got kicked out. But, you know, I mean, you can probably find him in Tatooine somewhere. There's some skeezy people out there, man. So this is where the townspeople of Freetown show up. And there's that moment where they're like, you didn't have to come. And they're like, yes, we did. The bartender is the one who says that. It's cool because you get a little city versus country debate here when the mod kids show up as well. And there's a little bickering. And they're like, save that for the enemy. Save that for the pikes someone says to them. And I thought that was very interesting that there was this little, like, beef that's definitely not serious, serious, I don't think, because you see how it gets mended pretty quickly later on in the heat of battle, and we'll get to that because there's a cool little team-up section of it. But I think it's, again, going deeper into the actual people of the Star Wars world. And, yeah, that would probably exist, right? I mean, and if the mod kids are messing with the watermonger who's ultimately got to pay the vapor farmers, you know, there's that's that might be a vapor farmer right there you know so here is when with the help of the townspeople they get them to retreat and there's that moment of celebration from the younger crowd and in the second watch and maybe you guys noticed it on the first watch but in my rewatch i did notice that there's no moment where mando stands down he actually steps forward 
during that. And he's like, and and then flips it. Obviously, he flips the thermal on, and by that point, you know that he's taking control. But there is not even a second of him thinking that this is over. He's on it. And I, I mean, I love his character. I'm a fan of his show a lot. So I think that's just a further cool shit to have for him. So I like that. And we get these fucking sick ass droids walk in. I, what'd you call this? Scorpions. Scorpnex. Scorpnex. Yes. Fire. I was not expecting that at all. Sick, dude. I, I love totally thought I totally thought Droidicas are about to roll through. Like that's what I thought it was. And I did a little research. It turns out those things, I think they're there's some deep cut prequel. I'm not sure, honestly, really too many too much details about it, but they were kind of scrapped for the more, you know, mobile, uh, smaller droids, the droidicas. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I mean, we would have been more than happy to have Droidicus show up because fuck those Scorpnex are destroying stuff, dude. Were they, though? One shot blast destroyed a, a ship, dude. That was the only accurate shot they had the entire episode. And they gave the Rancor a run for his money, too. The fucking uh, uh, mods and the townsfolk are running away, and they're like 30 feet in front of this thing, and it's missing every single shot. I'm just like, all right, like... You know, you could have shot that a little differently as the director to give it a little more, little more space or a little more tension. It's just like when you see a shot like that, you're like, oh yeah, well, there's really like, it's really only like a surface level threat. Like they're gonna be okay. We'll get into this a little bit later in the episode, but it's a point that I do want to mention. It's not something that I get hung up on because I love Star Wars, but. I think tension is something that it struggles with sometimes because you have this feeling that things are going to go a certain way and we'll get into it with something we've already mentioned this episode but as of now hasn't happened yet in our discussion so I won't get it too much into it right now but there is a certain level of there being a lack of stakes at certain points and a certain level of feeling like things are going to be okay and that's not even always a prequel syndrome type thing where it's like, I know things are going to be okay or I know things are going to be a certain way because I've literally seen it. But it's also in things that you haven't seen before and you don't know where they're going. I think you can feel safe in certain aspects that they're not going to do certain things. And again, we'll get to it with the point later on in the episode that didn't have me fooled at all. So... Going off that, the Scorpionic droids are here. I did think it was funny that he uses the heat vision to see them behind the wall and then doesn't really react until they poke it out from behind it. I was like, dude, what did you think it was? Like, a big birthday cake or something? Like, I would have been freaking out to begin with. That, that shit was scary. I didn't need to see it to know that that was trouble. And then it was a cool, and I'll give Robert Rodriguez the credit on this one. It was cool where he was like, We're, we've got trouble. And then you see the one that he didn't see pop out even closer. And he's like, we got big trouble. I thought that was a very cool moment and a cool way of showing us one thing and us thinking we knew what was going on and then popping out. And it's the same thing. The characters are getting it revealed as it's being revealed to us. I think it works really well there. So that was an aspect I liked in that scene. Big time stakes. Those things had to be terrified. And Garner, they were destroying everything, dude. At first. Well, yeah. I mean, it's gonna. It's happily ever after at the end, like Duncan was saying. But, you know. 
they weren't very mobile is what I noticed. They weren't, they weren't able to like pivot very quickly. They were sort of very slow moving and just kind of like waltzing along. And I think that's kind of where Gardner is coming from. It just like, didn't seem like they were able to hit moving targets. <laughs> I mean, if they would have, if they would have been able to ball up and start barreling through the town, like it would have been a wrap. They should have done that. That would have been so much scarier if they were able to like catch up to the group really quick, or if they were like able to pivot like really quickly, like when, um, Mando and Boba start fighting that one and they're like flying over top of it, and like shooting at the back and then flying over it the other way, you know, to like distract it. I don't know. I go back and forth. I'll have to rewatch that scene again. Um, I kind of like that because I kind of showed like them like being like strategic and like working together to like defeat the enemy. But in general, what I'm what I'm talking about in particular is later on when they're in front of like big groups of people and they can't seem to hit anything. Yeah. And I'll give it a little bit of a pass because the trope is literally named after this franchise. So I think they get to do it more so than anyone else gets to do it and get a pass with it. And again, I don't think any of us is going to get too hung up on something like that because if you're going to care too much about that, then you can't be here for Star Wars, really. You can't care about Stormtrooper and if you're going to get too much into it. Which I don't think you are, Gardner. This is your, you're saying that you enjoyed aspects of this episode. I think it's fair to bring up, for sure. I wanted to bring up that we mentioned in a previous episode that we were getting some major Dune vibes from some of it. And I totally got that when he was talking about not being able to pierce through their shields. And I, he was basically describing how you have to move slowly to get through the shields in the Dune universe. And I, I totally thought that he was going to just go up real slow with the Dark Saber. And I was going to be like, oh, come on. Like, that's a little much, isn't it? Like, that's basically the same thing now but like you said they did use strategy to take it out which was very cool but these are definitely stronger shields than what we've seen on like droidicas before because there's an arc in the clone wars where they have to go help out like saw guerrera and his band of fighters and they are being attacked by droidicas and they're like well, what do we do we can't get through their armor and uh saw is like look, all we got to do is roll grenades toward them fairly slow and they'll go through the shield and just blow them up. And that's what they did and they, they survived. But clearly, like, I think they established really well visually that you have to, like, do a lot of damage to the, to the shield to weaken it and then you can pass through. Like, they do that with Kersantan. Mando does that also. So, I mean, I think that worked. They did a good job of conveying that visually. And obviously here we get what we've been waiting for. We said that they had to do it. They did it. Boba's like, hold him off for a second, basically distract him. I'll be right back. And they might as well have just said, had him say what he's doing. Because I, I always think it's funny when it's like someone's like, oh, I'll be right back. And they don't just tell the guy like, oh, here's my plan, by the way. Like, just so you know, like what we're in on. And it's always, it makes for more interesting storytelling because the audience should know a lot of times it makes for a better reveal and i understand that it is just funny sometimes to see like when someone just doesn't say certain things but here it was like they might as well have just said it because everyone knew what yeah. was going on i mean they said that's why you have these big ass droids like watch your head i'm about to come rolling in and ceilings are going to be falling it's the rancor baby so fucking sick very sick i was about to say i knew as soon as chrysanthemum where you had that one scene of chrysanthemum like trying to stick his arm right in the shield and you can clearly see like as long as you have enough strength like you can get through this i was like rancor's coming like 
it's over. Like super pumped though. It was, it was epic. Just the groan at the beginning or the oh my god, I was like, let's go. Everything about it too. The way his he's got the a chain through the nose ring. He's got stirrups and a saddle like right on top of his head. Essentially, it, the flavor was like all there. And here's we'll get to this point that was brought up earlier. And Gardner, I think it was you that mentioned how it was the storytellers taking what kind of maybe the executives were saying and doing it well and how Grogu being here makes sense because we didn't say this yet, but Kelly brings him because she doesn't know this battle going down. She's just trying to bring her friend to his I can't family. believe she didn't hear that shit. That's a good point. That is a good point. But that is, there is a good, there's some good comedy in this episode and it's mostly her and David Pasquesi is the actor's name who plays the, the Twilight. I didn't know exactly what Major Domo is his name, obviously, but, um, or his title, I guess, is, is Major Domo. But the two of them are the main comedic beats of it. I'll, we'll get to very briefly, I think, the funniest part of it. But she has that moment where she, like, can't hear him, and Mando's like, turn around, or something along those lines, and she's like, what? I can't hear you. And he's like, turn around. And then she's like, he's like, what? I can't hear you. And then she sees it, and she's like, turn around! Turn around! And I thought that was very funny. That was one of the better moments. But so obviously Grogu's here now. And Mando, there's that beautiful moment where he jumps up into him. And like, I'm going to eat that slop right up. I love that kind of shit. Like I said. He's that so was the cutest shit I've ever seen in my life. Right. It's like, dude, I'm going to eat Mando and Grogu up. Like them together is fucking, I'm here for it. I, they've got me. I think they can do it not all the time, but they've got me. And I love it. But so you, I think Gardner alluded to it where, they set it up where he's here now and he's needed for this battle because although the Scorponek is pretty fucked up, it's still coming after Mando and it's got Mando down on the ground, right? And there's no shock when you see the camera go to Grogu and you see him start pulling the stance out. It's like, all right, we know what's going on here. And here's what I think is the funniest moment of the, the entire season probably is when that bolt or whatever the piece of the droid comes out and just decks him. It was like out of nowhere. It's just like you're definitely not expecting it. It's kind of this moment that's kind of built up to be kind of dramatic. And then it just takes you. It's so great. I love it. That's the kind of shit I love in, in TV and movies is stuff like that where it's like, well, wasn't expecting that. It kind of like brings you out of it in a good way, I would say. It was a great moment. It was really good, like payoff from everything they've built up with uh, Grogu learning the force in season two of The Mandalorian with him wanting the ball you know that that mando carries with him and catching it and it's like here we go here's like the very first thing he learned to do with the force and he's going to use it to save his dad which was great i do have a slight problem with how that was shot the pacing of it like of that particular moment felt a little slow i was like mando like fucking roll over like do something like how incapacitated are you like this thing is moving so slowly towards you you could definitely get out of the way and that always bugs me in movies and shows where they kind of like drag it out for the sake of like dramatic buildup, but it doesn't work if you can see clearly that the character in danger has like a very easy route out of it. Slight complaint. I'm with you, Duncan. I still love that moment. Very good moment. I will say though that I don't know if I want Grogu being the one to save the day here. It's a little bit out of place, I think. It's again, it's like they're pushing him on you. And if you're not all in on Grogu, I can see you being like, get this little bitch off my screen for a second. Super out. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm shocked that you guys are just like, 
welcoming him with open arms into your treasured Boba Fett show. This is green little punk. Can't even speak. We got to teach him how to talk. I, I can't do this nonverbal communication with Grogu for much longer. I think the letdown with that scene too, and I think Gardner sort of touched on it, but was like, we've seen this before, like with the Mudhorn in season one. So it's like, it was sort of a letdown, like that one of them had to go down that way. It was just a typical, you know, Grogu shot there. But no, I thought they could have done a little bit better there. And that's when I mentioned, you know, I thought they could have tweaked some things with that scene. But, you know, I think all the pieces sort of came together at this point. Like you have all three characters, like in individual battles, like in this overarching one, you have Grogu sort of saving the day. And then obviously the Rancor comes in shortly after, which I know we're getting to. That's what I mean when I say like, it's all like intertwined and interconnected and each, each season of each show builds on the other. And the fact that we have all of these characters together fighting battles in separate places, but for a common cause, I don't know, like shit like that, particularly in the in this episode, just works for me. Trying to surprised to hear you hate Grogu, but you know, to each their own. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. It's just like I don't need him, you know, force force holding the biggest thing we got, and then speaking rancor. It's, it was just like Mister Mister Plot Solving Armor Man, like. That is what the Force is. It's been that for the entirety of Star Wars. I know, but he's like barely picking a frog up like 24 hours ago with Luke. And, and I know he's like all emotional on Tatooine with Mando, so he's like extra tapped in. But it still just feels like a, like they really want to sell some more. Like how many Grogu dolls do they need to fucking sell? What if it's this? And we were talking about it last episode about how there's the hypocrisy of the Jedi and the way they lead people down the wrong path potentially and how they're maybe to blame for everything that goes wrong in Star Wars in certain ways. Obviously, can't go wrong if you don't have the Sith as well, but you could argue that it doesn't go down that way without it. And we mentioned that. But you could look at this as that little point you just made, Tarn, about how he was struggling with the frog. Maybe this is them showing you specifically that Jedi are wrong. And they're not only wrong about, like, it hurting you in the ways where it'll lead you down the dark side, but you're actually, you can see how he's better and stronger, better with the force, better equipped with the force when he's with his boy. He's yeah, and protecting his boy. Exactly, emotionally invested in protecting his boy. And that's what he really cares about. And I think we've seen that before in the prequels where it's like, the strength comes from the dark side. Sorry, listeners, I know you can hear my dog right now. I would have liked a little bit of... Uh dark grogu like he took out the training droid or whatever that luke had if he would have broke the scorp neck while he was force holding him that would have been a little like gray area i would have been very in on that like you know in mando season two finale when uh luke is fighting all those dark troopers and he just absolutely crushes one i thought that's what he was gonna do and then when he pulled the bolt out i was like oh that that's it because we've seen Grogu tap into the dark side before, like when he chokes uh, Cara Dune when she's arm wrestling Mando. So I thought he was going to go. I feel like they're teasing that a little bit, like dark Grogu, maybe wielder of the dark saber, leader of Mandalore, Mandalorian Jedi Wars 2.0. But I, I also don't think they have the balls to do that. So a Mandai master. You know what I thought was interesting there, Gardner, with the with the bolt. Obviously, I don't think Grogu was meaning to, like, 
take down the Scorpionek with that method, just taking out the bolt. And I think it draws some parallels with the Rancor in the sense that, you know, Grogu and, and the Rancor, they haven't necessarily like toned their skills just yet. And like, you see that with the Rancor when he like terrorizes the town right after and he's not necessarily tamed yet. And some of his methods, frankly, when he's trying to take down some of the Scorpioneks aren't the most effective. Um, as you see throughout. So I think there's some parallels there where they there is some training to be done. They're both super young in their lives. I mean, this is a baby Rancor, and then you have Grogu at only 50. So, you know, they, they still have a lot, a lot to learn. And you want to talk about showing a character doing things that make sense with his character and doing things that we've seen him learn, like Boba does throughout this episode. I think you see Mando being like, stop, leave him alone, you're scaring him, this is not helping. And that's him learning from being a basically a father to Grogu, or a father figure at least. I think he's, that's his fatherly instinct coming in there, or his parental instinct coming in there. And I think it's a great moment. I was like, oh, dude, you're fucking, you're the man. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, dude, why are we shooting at the guy who just saved your ass? That was bizarre. He was just snacking on a speeder, not really bothering anybody. They were just scared. I mean, you know, in in saving Mos Espa with the Rancor, they did do a lot of damage to Mos Espa. It's like um, that SpongeBob thing where it's like, look, Patrick, we saved the city and everything's on fire. That's kind of uh, <laughs> the vibe I was getting from the Rancor towards the end of its rampage. But I, I agree. That was a great like Din Jarn moment. That's really showing like he's he's. I don't, I'm not saying he's just a father figure. I'm saying he is Grogu's dad. And like, he's fully in that role now. We are getting to the wrap up of the season here. We're getting close to the end. Well, Boba, after being dislodged from his rancor, he has a, a showdown with a certain somebody. Right, okay. There was a lot in this episode. Like, There's an hour and it's it jam packed. It is jam packed. A lot to discuss. We don't have to nitpick every moment, but... I think that showdown with Cad Bane was incredible. I love how he defeats him. I teased this earlier in the episode. He defeats him with his stick that he got from the Tusken Raiders. And that is extremely symbolic of, I am stronger now because of the attachments I've built, because of the family and the crew that I've built. And Cad Bane is like very much the antithesis of that. What does he say? Like, like caring will get you killed or... He, he says something to that effect. And it's like, nah, man, running solo, that's what gets you killed. Goodbye. Stabbed with the gaffy stick. I was all about it. I mean, we know I love that, that part. Like, we get, I mean, we hadn't seen him use it, you know, pretty much at all. We saw, him, we saw him use it in Mando season two, but not since then. And it was also that, like, brutal, like, ruthless Boba that we've kind of been, what we've had glimpses of throughout the episode and, and or throughout the season and Cad Bane references it with the, uh, I don't know, pot calling the kettle black. I'm not going to try to remember that entire quote. Um, and we see him like, yeah, like he's still Boba Fett, man. And he's, he's exhausted all of his knee, elbow and wrist rockets and the flamethrowers out of juice and he's on his back. I don't know if he still has his head rocket or not, but I don't think that was going to work. And, you know, all's lost. Yeah. And we just get a, violent through the chest i love how cad bane too like when he gets stabbed like he's exact like you can hear almost almost like the oxygen like pouring out of what that apparatus get brings him oxygen as well you can like hear it like sort of exasperate which i thought was was pretty pretty good touch 
I saw some people notice, uh, and I didn't notice this online. I'll have to go back and rewatch this particular part of the episode. But apparently, his like heart monitor or like life monitor was still beeping when Boba walks away. So I guess some they're keeping open the possibility that he survives that somehow. I don't think that they should bring him back. I think he should be dead now. I feel like that's a good end for Cad Bane's character. It's also Star Wars, and people thought Bobo was dead, so I wouldn't be too surprised if he comes back, but I hope he does not. I hope he's dead. I think they might have actually shown his corpse in the post-credits. I could be wrong there, but also, I mean, they were literally perusing the streets of Mos Espa, like, after this. Like, they should have seen if if his body was still there or not. I mean, just common sense there. So, I mean, we'll see, but that would be interesting. We'll get to the post credit scene, but that wasn't Cad Bane. I was kind of hoping that was going to be him in the back of the tank, but it wasn't him. Not the post credit scene, but just, you know, the, the little the pictures that they show. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, and the, uh, that's, yeah, that's still concept art for the Concept episode. art. Yeah, concept yeah. art. I think they might have showed him there, but I could be wrong. Okay. I have to go back and look at that, too. This one, this one definitely deserves a rewatch because it's so jam-packed and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there's some sneaky Easter eggs, too, with all the action and stuff happening and cuts and whatever serves them right talking shit about my tuscans also have them in and out get them out of here so at this point the mods are pinned down by the other scorpionic droid right and what's her fit drash the mod chick with the arm and uh one of the uh freetown people they go up and slam down right and then i'm starting to get a little fuzzy here i tried to rewatch I got up to about the 30-minute mark, and then I didn't finish the rest of the episode. Well, I kind of alluded to this before. This is a team-up that I liked, and I like the town's person who is the one who's kind of down for the team-up and who's the one who gets them the gun, because that is exactly what I was thinking when they rolled up immediately, and the one guy pulls it out and shoots one guy and then puts it back in his pocket. I'm like, that was the tiniest pistol I've ever seen. And then she started using hers, and I was like, you guys are really good shots, because... Everyone else has way better guns than you. Those are not practical whatsoever. And like, again, not complaining about it. It was just funny because it was something I noticed. And then it was a beat later on that actually played into the plot. Something that was pretty cool. That was a good moment. Is this when, does the Rancor come in and, and save, like the Rancor is like, uh, like kind of on its own, right? At this point. And then it, it comes in and fucks up the Scorponek droid. Am I, am I right in saying that's what happens? And then they start shooting the Rancor or did they defeat the droid before that i'm confused as to when the the little farm mouse city mouse team up on the roof happened but is that is that the scorp neck that is is that what happens when the rancor comes in and they fight he gets like shot in the chest scratched in the chest or is that what causes boba to be flung off that might be it might be that might be what causes boba to get flung i'm having trouble remembering the sequence of events here i think that's what causes boba to get flung off Rancor fights the thing anyway, destroys it. He has to show down Cad Bane, and then, like, they're up I there. Guess... She's like, "You shoot! You like, I'm gonna distract the Scorpnek. You take all them out." Which, like, they should have both just shot the little guys. Who comes in there? Which I know this is what we're getting at, but I'm trying to talk us into it. Oh, you're talking about like after they shoot at the Rancor and it throws the speeder at them, and then Mando's like, "Yo, y'all, chill." And then Grogu walks up to it and uh, puts it to sleep. Is that what you're talking about? No, I thought you were talking about them teaming up on the roof, but maybe I'm thinking of something else now. That's what Duncan was talking about. 
Yeah. And then you said, is the Rancor coming in and stop him? And I'm saying, I don't know. I believe the Rancor comes in after that. All right. Yeah, he comes in just on his own. I just pulled it up on my phone. They are sniping down, and then the Rancor busts through. Boba's on its – Boba's riding it. It kicks the thing – kicks the thing's ass, and then he gets tossed off, and it fights Cad Bane. Okay, so we were just a little out of order then. A little bit. It's tough. This episode was so stuffed and shit. So all that happened, and then the Cad Bane scrap happened. Right. And then Cad Bane's dead. And then we have Fennec. Oh, yeah. We, we're in the Pike hideout. Mock Shies. Yeah. That was um, the just desserts. It's a nice tattooy necktie on Mock Shies. Also, like, crazy violent. Like, that. that is pushing it, Disney. But I'm here for it. I loved it. Yeah, it does feel like Rodriguez kind of, like, pushed the limits of, like, what he could get away with at some points in this episode like it's such a silly moment but i actually kind of enjoyed the moment where boba and mando are fighting earlier in the episode and like some pike is like falling and they both are just like keep shooting him as he's falling i thought that one was a really funny moment but yeah this whole scene where she like sneaks in and murks them all completely unseen great moment and it's like i guess you know they couldn't have done that from the jump because the pikes would have just sent someone else in to replace him but it's all of these things together with wiping out so many of their forces and taking out their leadership and their plant in the city that finally forces them to be like, all right, fuck it. This planet is not worth it anymore. We're getting out of here. And speaking of Fennec, there was a moment at the beginning that I really enjoyed that we kind of glossed over. And it's a minor thing, but when Boba is talking to Mando about enlisting the townspeople, and I think Fennec asks him, how much should it cost? He's like, oh, no, nothing. You just have to stop selling the drugs. And she's like, makes a great point. She's like, that's not nothing. That's a lot. We make a shit ton of money off those drugs. So actually, that's way more than nothing. And I was like, Mando, what are you, how do you even drop that as nothing? Like, and I thought that was funny because I was like, so, totally on her side for that. I mean, what's a crime lord without moving drugs? You're just a lord at that point, I think. And that's lame. Yeah, it's Disney, man. You can't have your, uh, you can't have your good guys also be drug dealers. Are, are, are they good guys, though? They're all, like, killers. All these people are, like, arguably bad people. They're anti-heroes. But they've done nothing to, like, be... They're not good. They're they just, have like, redeemable we want to be the qualities. bad guys. No, nah, but it's like, we want to be the bad guys instead of these bad guys. So we're going to kill the bad guys and then be the bad guys. That's not a good guy thing. But Boba's logic is something like, this will be better for the planet in the long run because you know drug trade inherently brings a lot of violence and skirmishes and stuff and he's like i don't want to have to go through this whole you know battle in most espa every year just legalize spice boba fett why are you with war on drugs bullshit it's killing their people bro yeah because it's unregulated and it's getting spiked with fucking other shit are we really talking about spice here right now yeah, the gold stuff, you know, in Star Wars. For sure, for sure. I'm just saying, like, Boba is great and he's learned a lot, but I don't know if his governing is quite where it needs to be yet. Not quite based enough for your boy. He's, he's still new to it. He's still new to it. So after Finnick murders all those uh, pikes, we just cut back to Boba and Finnick walking the streets of Mos Espa sometime after. They're rebuilding. 
somebody gives them some melons and all seems to be well. They're respected and loved by the people. They got Renfair music playing in the background or some shit from RuneScape. I don't know what the fuck that music is. What is that from? That's the theme of the show. Is that Star Wars music? Yeah, it's the theme uh, of Book of Boba. If you listen to the whole song, uh, it's like four minutes long. That's like from the last like two minutes or so. It just sounded like a Renfair. And they transition it nicely with the with the Mando theme song as well. Like when Mando's leaving the planet, they like seamlessly transition to that, which I thought was cool. It's like, here we go. We're going to season season three of Mando. It really drives home how much this was season 2.5 of Mando because the last thing we get before the credits is Grogu being like, yo, let's go to, let's hit those sublight thrusters. Mando's like, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And finally he does it. Credits. And then we get a nice... Mid credit scene revealing no Cobb Vanth is not dead. He's in the Bacta. And we got Thundercat back to mod him up a little bit. He's probably just gonna have like a like a robotic arm or some shit, but cool. I'm glad that our boy is still alive. Because the the way they were talking about him earlier in the episode, I was like really sad. I was like, fuck, did they really kill Cobb Vanth? It's like one of the coolest char- new characters. So the reveal that he's still alive, I was I was very happy with. I mean, that's what I was talking about earlier when I was alluding to something that I felt like the stakes are not there with, because in my opinion, there was just no shot he was dead. I didn't think that there was any chance that they were going to bring this character in, have Timothy Oliphant play him, and then get rid of him like that. It just didn't seem like it was happening. And it's not like something that, again, I don't get hung up on it with Star Wars, but I definitely didn't see him as being a dead character. Plus, if you go back and watch it, you can see that he clearly gets shot in his right shoulder. So once also compared to like the fucking four that the deputy takes i did think it was a toss-up though because we didn't get any trejo right which it would have been nice if maybe he calms down the rancor i you know it's, it's always tough for me with some of these like larger or bigger named actors that cameo is like are they going to be sticking around for a big role or not but it is you know if we get more confident that's sick and Cobb Vanth hasn't interacted with boba yet so it'll be interesting to see like when we get to season two like what his role is because i don't know if he's necessarily going to go out and help mando and whatever escapades he's on but like will he serve as sort of marsh uh, like the marshal of most Espo, like kind of boots on the ground like for boba in a sense for season two so that'll be something to look for probably his fucking dea unit i'd love to have like the book of Cobb vant man like just fuck it season two is just about Cobb vant boba in mando season three goes off to help Mando reclaim Mandalore and he leaves Cobb Vanth in uh, Mos Espa in his stead. I'd love that, dude. That'd be sick. We can finally get like the the promise of the premise on this show, which we thought we were going to get. I mean, this is basically the book of Cobb Vanth as much as it is the book of Boba Fett, right, guys? Equal screen time and all that jazz. More or less. So that wraps up our brief discussion, not so brief this week, of the book of Boba Fett chapter seven the season one finale gotta go longer for the finale i'm sure you guys appreciated it but now it's time for a quick final thoughts and ratings for as our guest you get to go first yeah no i mean really you know i want to echo what i said earlier i thought it was a really good episode you know i'm a big action fiend so i really liked that aspect of it you know, I think they could have tweaked that threat in a sense. You know, the Scorpionek droids, I don't think 
they came across as that terrifying. I don't think they had the maneuverability in a sense to really win that battle. So we all knew all along the Rancor was going to come in, thought that was all kind of set up for us. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm huge into the, the fan service aspect of everything. And I think we got a ton of that, you know, we had Grogu coming back in, we had the scene with Cad Bane, which I thought was awesome. You know, we had we had a whole lot of everything. I think, like I said, it, it tied everything in together pretty well for a really disheveled storyline altogether. Um, and I thought this episode was kind of a microcosm of that in a sense, just very, very chaotic and sort of how this podcast is going. We're bouncing all over the place because we just can't keep up with kind of what was going on. So overall, though, really, really strong. I'm going to give this an 8.7 dung worms out of 10. Nice. Gardner, you're up next. Uh, yeah, like like Thor said, this was a nice way to cap off the season. It was really emblematic of a lot of the issues that the season has. I still think this was one of the stronger episodes. I have my issues with uh, Robbie Rod's uh, directing and some, some choices he makes here and there. I'm not a big fan of his action. I don't think it feels very Star Wars at points. There were still a lot of moments that made me go, fuck yeah. Um, but all in all, I think this was a really solid cap off to a really uneven season and it stuck the landing as best as I think they could with seven episodes and then all the side quests and stuff like that. So I'm going to give this episode eight Scorponek droids out of 10. Oh no, dude, the flat rating, dude, not going to get into it, not going to get into it. Tarin, you're up next. I was not a hater. This was actually probably my favorite episode of the series. Just it could have used a little more Tuscans if they were around. Unfortunately, they're not. Yeah, I'm not going to say everything we've all said. I'm going to give it 9.4 gonk droids out of 10. I'm a big gonk droid fan. And uh, we got to see one at the end of the episode, which was pretty sweet. Just looking like a person in a box walking on two legs. It's awesome. So, I've pretty much said most of what I have to say about this. I enjoyed this episode. I want more Boba Fett because I really am interested in him more as a plotline by himself. And I want to see some of the grittier aspects of Star Wars when it comes to him. And I think that would be great for season two. I like Mandalorian, so I don't mind the Mandalorian stuff. I don't mind having Grogu show up. But it would have just worked better as, in my opinion, a longer season three uh season three and a season four a 2.5 i don't know why you would do an actual 2.5 of a season for a show but maybe just a longer season three would be the best way in my opinion to have just it's not that much mando storyline that you would need to squeeze in so i think there's better ways to do it pacing overall was not an issue in this episode so that was good i did like a lot of the action in this it's star wars so it doesn't have to always look the best so I don't mind that, but when Star Wars does look good and it's doing the action really well, that's when it is firing all cylinders. So it loses some points for that, but overall enjoyed this episode. I'm giving it 8.4 Dead Gamorreans out of 10. Now that we've rated the season finale, it's time to rate the season as a whole. Folks, you know the deal. Guest goes first. Thor, you get to start us off with your rating of the entire season one of Book of Boba Fett. Yo, I, I really did enjoy this. Um, I came in 
kind of similar to your thinking, Duncan, this is going to be all about Boba and kind of his status as a crime lord and kind of coming of age and sort of, you know, him learning it out and like kind of interacting with these different syndicates and, and so forth. I thought that was lacking in a sense, but like Gardner, like you said, like last episode, I just kind of took the perspective of like, fuck it. Like once we saw Luke come in and like all this other stuff started happening, I was like, hey, I mean, if this is what we're going to get, this is what we're going to get. So I really liked it overall. I think, you know, we, they've really paved everything pretty well to set up for Mandalorian season three. Uh, I think season two of Boba is going to really live up to the hype. Hopefully we'll be able to see some more of that crime Lord action once he's actually established as the, as the, uh, Daimyo of Tatooine, which it seems like he's on the way to being that way. So uh, I'm going to give the season as a whole 7.8 Scorpionic droid eyeballs out of 10. Oh, no, I didn't think about the double unit. That's going to be rough. But we said at the beginning that there's plenty to pick from in this episode. So hopefully we'll be able to think of them. Gardner, you have the floor to talk about the entire season one of the Book of Boba Fett. Overall... I really enjoyed it. I had a good time watching this show and talking about it with you guys. It wasn't perfect. It was uneven, but it was very entertaining. So all that being said, and everything we've said over the podcast, I am going to give this whole season 7.2 whistling birds out of 10. That better equal your average across the, across the podcast. We got we to gotta do a fact check there. You know, parts and holes. it's just, yeah, it's parts and holes. And like, that's just uh, like, I kind of, I'm going at it like Duncan now. It's just, it feels like that. It feels like a 7.2. It's not awful, but it's not like fantastic either. 72 is kind of shit, dude. It's passing. But, it's passing. I mean, yeah. Well, why don't you but, tell us what you think is fair? What's, oh, what's the I'm glad you asked. Uh, the actual score of this series uh, based off of the fact that it's awesome and all sorts of cool shit happens is an 8.6 dark sabers out of 10. The rest are coming. Don't worry. Even his units are Mando related. Look at this. Look at this. Can't even get his own units in his own show. It was in the For show. Uh, I know that. Well, you know, tell us how you really feel. Dunks. I, didn't hate the show at all. I don't mind it. I think Mandalorian's way better done, in my opinion. I just think it's a more intriguing show. I think it's got better singular episodes as well. I think that I don't mind the fact that there's certain aspects of Star Wars that are enhanced by knowing more. And even sometimes it's like you could just know the movies. And I have that knowledge over some people who are just watching the show because they like Rogue. And that's perfectly fine to be in that knowledge base. But I think this show, more so than other shows, and definitely more so than Mandalorian, in my opinion, there's a bigger disparity in your enjoyment level if you've seen, like, The Clone Wars, for example. Because I think that if you don't know your history of Cad Bane, I don't know how hard he does hit. Like, I don't know that much about him, but I know that he's a character people have looked forward to, and I know that he's someone who's badass, right? And he's, like... When she says that he's got, she's got all the places locked down, all the entries are secured, and he gets there, I felt the exact same way without even having the backstory. I was like, "Fuck yeah, he's that kind of guy who can get through that kind of shit." So I think it has a bigger disparity, but it's also well done in those aspects. I actually like a lot of the fan service in the series, even though I think it would be better placed in a non-Boba Fett show. I think all in all, 
pacing is the biggest issue with it and the fact that I just wanted more Boba Fett. I really do like Boba Fett as a character and a lot of that is just due to the costume design, the character design in general. I just think it's a badass look and I know you basically get that same kind of look with the Mandalorian. He's got the same kind of armor so you can get you can get that with the Mandalorian but I just think it's badass. I love that kind of armor so gets me going. I love seeing X-Wings. I love seeing Tatooine. I love seeing R2 anytime. Give me that kind of shit. It's always going to not hurt my ex viewing experience. Overall, I'm giving the season 6.7. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tarn. 6.7 fertilized flower fields. Something with a bunch of F's. F's. I don't have it right now. But that, that unit on Tatooine with dead bodies. Sounds fair to me. Hopefully this Obi-Wan Kenobi show will be effectively spoiled for you guys in the upcoming trailer and you won't have to even watch the series to know what you feel about it. They'll just tell you everything that's going to happen. If there's yeah. one thing about Star Wars trailers, they do not tell you everything. I guess we did all learn that on this one. They tell you almost nothing, in fact. That's why I like I don't mind watching Star Wars trailers. If you really want to like try to get in there and get granular and try to pull information out, then you can. But if you're not, if you're just trying to like see it and be like, oh, that looks cool. And they're not going to give you every like story beat. Hardly any. The, well, I'm just just saying because we did have expectations relatively set going into this show based off of the trailers. And then when those expectations weren't lived up to, it was kind of disappointing. So hopefully they just tell us what's going to happen at halftime of the Super Bowl. I do. I know you're joking around, but I do have to push back on that just because I didn't actually watch any of the Boba Fett trailers. I knew I was in on it and just was like, okay, I just didn't see them when they were coming out. I wasn't disappointed in the fact that I think that they lied to us or anything like that. Because I think that's an unfair assessment when people say that about shows. I think you can market yourself in a way that isn't trying to trick people. And that's probably the best way to do it. Unless your trick is like something really cool and like it's going to be a, a good, a positive trick. But my, my disappointment isn't from anything that they said they were going to do. And I'm not blaming anyone behind Star Wars for anything. I'm just wanting to see more Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Like whether they told me they were going to show me it or not, when, the, when they're like, all right, we got a Boba Fett show coming out. That's enough for me to be like, all right, I've seen a bunch of Boba Fett. I'm going to see him do some badass shit. And I wanted more badass shit. That's the only, like, I think what you're saying is fair. That's right. So proud of himself for not watching trailers. How does it feel to be like so enlightened and just better than us? It, well, it's actually ignorance that's blissful. When you're watching the show, you have no fucking clue what was supposed to happen or was going to happen. You just watch it. Yeah, no, nah, it feels good, man. It feels really good. If anyone has any final thoughts on the Book of Boba Fett Season 1, this is your jumping off point. Speak now, or like they say, forever hold your peace. Fuck them pikes. Fuck them pikes. Thor? You got anything? He said no in Grogu, which is no sound. That's the biggest learning moment from this entire episode, is that we got a Grogu hater on the pod. Might be some some people who aren't happy to hear about. That. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I didn't say that. I would actually. I just want to hear what he has to say. Give Grogu some agency. Yeah, give him literally some took away his voice. That's a callback for our listeners. I just yes, don't like sir. everybody objectifying this. You know, fifty-year-old alien male, or whatever it is, whatever they are. You should like him for who he is. You want to keep going? Yeah, yeah, I want to keep going. Keep going. Fuck Grogu, dude. I wish he would have picked Yoda's lightsaber and sliced his head off on accident. 
Whoa, that's too much. That's too far. I, I hope far. I hope that Mando accidentally opens up the rear window while they're going light speed. <laughs> and then he gets a new astromech droid that doesn't fucking knock on the window. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. I'm driving. So you're not trying to be a father anytime soon, is what you're telling us. Not to some dumb fuck that's 50 <laughs> year old, 50 years old and still can't talk. And that's gotta be burning gas too, right? Like just doing hyperspeed for no reason. That can't be economic. Yeah, it's like going fucking 80 all of a sudden. Like that's burning gas. Greta Thurber like from like 40 also to 80. probably hates Grogu. I love how we did go from not a Grogu hater to two different ways that you want to see him killed on screen. I just think it'd be refreshing. He'd obviously come back to life. We'd wake up next day being a back to tank. You want to get into callbacks against the same episode. Is that infanticide or does that not count if you're 50? Does it matter if you look like a baby? Would Benjamin Button be infanticide if you killed him when he was 80? I don't think our society is prepared for this conversation. Star Wars is always bringing up the deep, 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 deep questions. That's the end of the show, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at GoodDataPod and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening now, you already know where to find us, but you can always find us by searching the letters G, D, T, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And leave a five-star review too. Thor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. And to our audience, we'll talk to you next week for another bonus episode, but that episode will not obviously be on the Book of Boba Fett anymore. Instead, next week, we are going to do an episode recapping the Oscar nominations, and that episode will drop on Wednesday instead of Thursday. You heard that right, folks. Future bonus episodes will be releasing on Wednesdays, for a little while at least. We're going to try that out. And in the meantime, check out our regular full-length episode releasing tomorrow on Friday. Our full-length episode this week will be discussing the top five films of 2021 with special guest Dave Giannini. Our listeners will remember that we teased this episode last week, so stay tuned for that tomorrow. If you missed our episode on Lady Macbeth that came out last Friday, Dave was also a guest on that episode. Just a side note, I do know that we said we were going to do Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind tomorrow, but that got pushed back to two weeks afterwards. Don't fret, it will be releasing two weeks from Friday. It's already been recorded. It features a special guest, Alfonso, friend of the pod. So get excited for all of that and stay tuned for our next episode. Like I said, releasing tomorrow. Talk to you soon. I can't Thanks for listening. Shut up. Go rant about Grogu. I'm over you. He's a child murderer. He ate like dozens of those frog people's kids. How are you going to sit here and defend him? That's funny funny to you? I liked it. I can't can't daydream of just a little window crack. It's all I'm asking. Those were unfertilized eggs. So you eat eggs in the morning. Are you committing chicken infanticide? Yeah, and it's tasty. But Uh you liked it, huh? They're not sentient. They don't don't jump on an airplane with tickets and bags. 40 chess, you got wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to this series folks uh i hope the twin sons of tatooine smile on you tomorrow when you listen to our episode and uh keep tuning in appreciate you i hope you guys had as much fun as we did and may wherever you dig in the sand have a black melon it's a good day to talk about bantha fodder